Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Michael. I am so happy that you have joined us again for this episode five, main episodes at least. (laughs) If you have not made your way to the website, I really encourage you to do so. Empathyand.com. There's a couple reasons for that. First, it's got the blog. I've only done two, two posts thus far, but I'm looking to add more content there. But the second part is that you can find uh, the podcast episodes uh, from the Anchor app in there. And Anchor is a really cool um, program that I think more people might be interested in. Now, this is totally not a paid advertisement for them. I just like the product and I'm sharing it with you guys. One of the reasons why I do like them is one of their missions is to be the YouTube of audio content. Uh, so they make it easy uh, to to find content, and they don't charge creators for doing that. And so it's been one of the ways that I've uh, been able to get this to you for a reasonable amount of money. One of the other reasons why I did want to point that out is because if you do choose to become a producer on this show for as little as $1 a month, you would actually do that through Anchor. That would actually really go a long way to me being able to keep the website up specifically, because of course I just told you that Anchor is free. The website is not. Um, So I do want the viability of the website to extend beyond the one year that has been paid for. And so if you're interested in keeping this thing moving forward, uh, please uh, donate $1 a month and I would really, really appreciate it. This week we are discussing the relationship between empathy and fear and the other. Welcome to episode five. This is Empathy and Fear. Empathy is a superpower, and you have it. It's the energy of human connection. It's a biological, neurological, psychological, sociological, and spiritual imperative. One that we're hardwired for. It's the key to deep and thriving relationships. Welcome to the conversation. This is Empathy And. So I think we need to get over this idea that our brain's base mode and prime reaction is fear and anxiety. Maybe even prime instinct, right? Now, that's such a charged word for what we've talked about thus far. I am so interested and challenged to change the public perception about what it means to really listen to your gut, to really listen to your instinct, because I do think that uh, there's a lot of truth there. But I also know that when we are kicked into uh, fight or flight, when we get into that survival instinct, and our brain gets soaked in those chemicals and in those hormones, that we can train, we can condition our brain to be defaulted to fear and anxiety rather than its natural home state, which is connection. Connection. We are primed for connection. And it's through those connections that we are safe. And it is in 
those connections that we find our fundamental form of empathy and energy to have our best life. And when things um, endanger our connection, then our anxiety and our fear comes up. Now, what I don't want to do is demonize anxiety because a lot of us deal with it, right? And really, in most sense, learning to live and utilize anxiety is actually the best way forward. And honestly, I think anxiety gets a bad rap because we all need it. At least in some amount, in, in, in smaller doses, we need it. It's what motivates us. It helps uh, creativity. It does. It helps productivity in many ways. Um, a certain amount of anxiety makes us plan, makes us think. If there is a positive side to worry, that's what anxiety can do for us. But if we soak our brains in anxiety out of fear, then we start to learn to look at life just a little bit different, don't we? The lenses that we look through when we look at current events and look at our surroundings tend to start seeing dangers where there are none if we are too concerned um, with the anxiety and the fear part. So this is probably a good point for me to make my weekly disclaimer and say that I am not a mental health professional. I am not a psychiatrist. And if you experience anxiety or fear or depression to an extent where it affects your day-to-day, then I really encourage you to talk to somebody and make sure that you go see a mental health professional. But let me be clear. From my perspective, our baseline is connection. And we see that through attachment. Uh, We see that through the energy of empathy. And when it is in danger, our brains quickly go into survival mode. And we see that in, you know, fight or flight or freeze reactions. So it is in our biological, neurological, psychological, sociological, y'all have heard this before, and it's in our spiritual best interest that we move toward others in love, compassion, and empathy. Because when we feed our need for connection, then the likelihood of our brain interpreting dangerous situations where there are none will go down. It's an unfortunate reality that our bodies and brains cannot distinguish. This is really interesting, y'all. We cannot distinguish an attack of words or an attack of physical danger. They both feel the same in our brain because they're both constructs and they both endanger our connection. It could be connection to a particular group. It could be connection to gender, to race, to religion, to nationality. Hell, it could even be connection to our favorite sports teams. (laughs) Anybody who has seen a European soccer or football game can understand that. The fact is, is that if we sense a danger to our connections, our amygdala starts firing. And then our base emotions, those kind of lie in wait. And that's not always a bad thing. Like I said earlier, it's that is the fuel of our fight or flight or freeze. That is what has kept us alive 
uh, for as long as we have, right? We just need to realize that when we let our fear overrun, the way we look at the world starts to change. Our amygdala, that almond-shaped center of our brains that control our emotions, is always on the lookout. And it is always switched in one way, towards connection or towards protection. There is no neutral. When it's in connection mode, we find relationships and we find empathy. And when it is in protection mode, we oftentimes find fear. And we find it's less scary but more pervasive relative anxiety. One of the many benefits of mindfulness and meditation, and I know I've mentioned this in an earlier episode, but one of the many benefits is that it can actually decrease the size of the amygdala. Now that's fascinating to me because it's not decreasing the effects, it's actually decreasing the size of the amygdala. In research studies, they've seen in folks that have undergone mindfulness and meditation experiments, the size of their amygdala portion of their brain has gone down. Now, what does that mean? That means that they are appropriately regulating fear response based on real information and really what's going on. It means that they are not assuming a fear response based on anxiety. Now, just the other day, and I actually shared this on the Facebook page, so again, uh, pitch for the Facebook page. Come join us there. But the other day, I saw something on Facebook, and I wanted to share that with the group. And it was a really interesting story that I had never heard about uh, from one of my favorite basketball players, Lou Williams. A lot of even casual basketball uh, fans might not know who Lou Williams is, but he is a journeyman NBA player. He's been with six teams over 14 years, and for a couple of those years, he was on my LA Lakers team. So I became a fan. Um, He's won the sixth man of the year a couple times, but that is not germane to our conversation. So I will quickly get back (laughs) into the point of why I wanted to bring him up, because it's not about his basketball acumen, which is awesome. Basically, while he has been with six teams over 14 years, he was drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers, I believe in 2005. Well, in 2011, he was still with the Sixers, and it was in the winter of 2011. He is in his car in Philadelphia. And he was leaving a barbershop, and a guy with a gun walks up to his side of the car and points the gun at his face. And what happened, this is going to sound so clickbaity, what happened next, you'll never, anyway. um, (laughs) But really, what happened next is incredible. Because what ended up happening is a couple things. One, the guy recognized him. Now, granted, We're not all NBA players. We're not all relatively famous people that uh, even people that want to do harm wouldn't want to hurt. But outside of the fact that he was an NBA player, I imagine he was a friendly face, right? Now, when we encounter something like that, we can go through a lot of different emotions. But what Lou did, obviously, was able to look through the fear and talk to the guy. And really, at the end of the day, it wasn't the fact that the guy ended up not hurting him or ended up not robbing him that I find fascinating. It's what Lou did next. Because what Lou did was looked at the guy, and one of the things that the guy said to him 
supposedly, was, I just got out of jail. I'm hurting. I'm hungry. All I got is this gun. And Lou looks across the street and sees a McDonald's and says, come on, I'll go get you anything you want. And they go spend some time and eat a Big Mac and talk to each other. Honestly, there's a lot of things that we could learn from this. Some of which I need to be really honest about and say, you know, there are layers of stuff that we could dissect to understand this actual situation. You know, and honestly, race relations being one of them. Somebody being famous being another. There's a lot of different layers that we could peel away and say, well, this doesn't apply to me. Well, this doesn't apply to me. Well, this doesn't apply to me. So let's look at what does apply to you. Because I get two lessons from this that have nothing to do with those aspects of this story. And maybe one day I can meet Lou and ask him about this encounter. I think it would be fascinating. But the lessons that I get are twofold. The first is this. You are not your worst mistake. Oftentimes, we like to call people by their worst mistake, right? Or a character flaw. And I think especially in this social media age, it becomes um, shorthand for how we describe people. And unfortunately, it becomes incredibly dismissive of the whole person. You can for damn sure know that if you dismiss somebody by a characteristic, that they don't feel seen. And that's completely on the other end of empathy. And at the end of the day, we end up doing it to everyone, don't we? And it's so easy on social media. But we do it in person, too. Have you ever been in that gossip group before? Either on the in or the out, watching it and listening to it. Oh, look, he's the cheater. Or, she's so narrow-minded. Or, how about, oh, they are such bigots. And you start looking at people's clothing, and you start looking at people's comments, and we make decisions about their deep-down character by maybe something that was a single mistake. Now, I am not saying that we shouldn't call out bad actors or bad people or bad actions, for that matter. But when was the last time you took an extra beat to consider someone in total and not just harp on that thing that they once did to you or what they said to you? Forgiveness allows us to see people as they are, not what we perceive them to be. And empathy, empathy connects with people at that level of hurt and anger and frustration. And we have all experienced that to some level or another. And when we do that, we can look them in the eyes and say, you know what? I know what it feels like to be hungry. I know what it feels like to be frustrated. Let's go grab a McRib. <laughs> you know? The second thing that I learned from this is 
to just imagine what could happen if when we are encountered with something that at first blush seems fearful, what could happen if we were to react out of curiosity and love rather than fear or ignorance? Now, I know the Lou example is an extreme one because the dude had a gun to his face. But I know a lot of people who would have said, you know, somebody puts a gun in my face, I'm going to take my gun out of my shoe holster or wherever, and they're going to meet aggression with aggression. And the dude was just frustrated and felt like he had no options and ended up having a hamburger with the guy. So I just wonder if our extra length, if our extra mile of understanding could get us to a point where we're not meeting aggression with aggression, but we're meeting aggression with curiosity. Because, you know, what, what if we do our homework? What if, we, what if we do the meditation, the mindfulness, the mantras? And what if our amygdala you know, reduces to a reasonable size? What if all those stress hormones that we constantly wash our brains in, what if we let those ebb in favor of understanding and clarity? And it would all in, uh, be in an effort to minimize our fight or flight or freeze instincts and move towards understanding. The fact is, even if this story, the Lou Williams story, even if this story is as it is, right? And, and it's how he has recounted it. If it's true, then Lou teaches us something about empathy. He was able to move past the instinct of fear and fight and was able to reach out to someone that was acting out of fear and need. And he met them in their need. Now, oftentimes we don't do that because we only go off of our instinct and don't allow our cognitive empathy to kick in. This is why I say it is just as important to take the extra step of conversation and curiosity and questioning to really consider the situation as it is and to really consider why we react emotionally in certain situations. So that's how an NBA player taught me about empathy this week. But I think that informs how we think of the other. I think if we start understanding that every interaction that is presented to us in order to learn about people and learn about their fears and their anxieties and their needs then the whole concept of other starts to wash away. There is no other. There is only us. And if we can approach our lives in such a way that we actually see people for who they are and not what we perceive them to be, then we will be doing to ourselves such a huge service. Okay, y'all. Um, I hope you enjoyed this little moment of me waxing on and on about Lou Williams 
the NBA player. <laughs> Have a blessed week and look for the connections in the faces around you. Peace, y'all.